Well, good morning to each and every one of you. I trust I'm switched on, yeah? Good. Glad to know Kim had a good holiday. Apparently somebody else who also went on holiday with Kim went swimming in the sea. Very brave of them, wasn't it? Particularly fully clothed. So, if you want to know more about that, speak to Steve afterwards. Okay, excellent. Psalm 16. Indeed, I have a delightful inheritance. Now there's much that could be said about this this psalm this morning and uh, indeed much has been written about it. But maybe in the, the short time we have here this morning I just want to share a few thoughts that, that came to my mind when looking at it this week. After several days of uh, looking at it and, and stumbling around in, in the text I realised that it might be easier to actually start at the end and work backwards in order to uh, understand the psalm a bit better so to understand why David has the delightful or beautiful inheritance that he claims to have in verse 6 let's look at the revelation the revelation he had of Christ which is recorded for us in verses 8 to 11 he says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be shaken therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices my body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave nor will you let your Holy One see decay you have made known to, you have made known to me the path of life you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand God's spirit of prophecy came upon his servant David and caused him to foretell the coming of the Messiah and the amazing fact that the Messiah that that Christ's body would not see decay when you can consider these verses they're incredibly powerful and they were used to great great, great effect by Peter in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on all believers this fits in very well with what we've been looking at over the past few weeks with, with Pastor Dave In Acts 2, 22 following, we read this. Peter stands up and uh, he addresses the crowd. He says this, verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge and you with the help 
of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And he goes on, Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Psalm 110 verse 1. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The prophecy of David hundreds of years earlier opened the eyes of those people there on the day of Pentecost opened the eyes of the people to realise that what Peter was saying about Jesus was true and it cut them to the heart all of a sudden if you like the lights came on and people realised that Jesus was who he said he was and he was the only way to heaven and that's why David can say in the preceding verses surely I have a beautiful inheritance or a delightful inheritance depending on which version you read because Christ was making a way for mankind to be reconciled to God. So let's look at verses 5, 6 and 7. Indeed, verses 5 to 7 are the verses around which the whole psalm if you like, is centred. It's all about our delightful inheritance. And most people in David's time and 
and probably in ours today as well would choose to follow the way of the world for their happiness and for their security however David says I'm going God's way I'm going God's way I choose to follow God not the world now just as each of us when we, when we get up each morning and go about our daily business just as each one of us we can either follow the crowd we can follow the way of the world or we can be different and follow Christ David's happiness was not reliant upon the circumstances in this world no matter how rich or, or how poor he's standing on the promises of God his life is in God's hands but for David it's, it's not just a case of blind belief like I've said before David is happy with his choice he says the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places surely I have a delightful inheritance he says I wonder this morning are we happy to be following Jesus this morning do we want more of God I don't know about you but reading these verses you certainly sense that David wants more of God he's looking forward he's striving to deepen his relationship with the Father he wants more of God but not more than God he wants more of God not more than God he has his heart set on God and he's not looking to add on something extra but to go even further and deeper into the heart of God there was a song once that that line came to my mind ever further and deeper into the heart of God now thinking of adding something on I guess many of you here this morning have a have a computer and no doubt you have antivirus software as well if you don't then don't send me an email anyway I'm certainly no expert in computers I try and stay well away from them but from time to time it seems that your computer decides that it needs to upgrade its virus protection well, I don't know how it does it it just decides doesn't it it wakes up one morning and thinks I need to upgrade my virus protection you, know, you haven't told it to it just does it someone will no doubt afterwards tell me how it does it anyway so it gives you the option doesn't it you know would you like to upgrade your, your virus protection and it says, you know, there's a little square on the screen that you can press with your cursor and it says, install now. I'm sure the idea itself is a good one. But after a while of upgrades and add-ons, what happens? Your computer is so slow, isn't it? Or is it just mine? Or is it, you know your computer becomes so slow it's actually quicker to pick up the phone and, and talk to a human being oh yes talk to somebody don't just send them an email talk to somebody that's, 
a new revelation for some of you this morning. All right? It's actually quicker to pick up the phone and talk to someone than it is to wait for your computer to warm up and send an email. Not so with God. There are no add-ons. There are no upgrades to God. As it says on the wall behind me, behind this screen, He is all and in all. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is all you need. So we've seen that David set his heart on following God. He was happy to follow God. And in verse 7 he gives praise to God for his wise counsel. Why is wise counsel so important from God? Why is learning to discern his voice, his will and his way for our lives so important? Well, put quite simply this morning, if it was all left up to us, what would we do? We would undoubtedly choose foolishness. As sure as eggs are eggs, as the uh, saying goes. We would choose foolishness. There is no doubt about it. That is why we need the Holy Spirit's power in our lives to help and instruct us. Just before his death, Jesus left this promise. There in John 14, 15-17, Jesus said, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. God will send another counsellor, someone to be with us. If you know anything about Greek, I can vaguely remember it from Bible college, the bit about the Holy Spirit um, is the paraclete oh, yeah. and uh, you, know, you think about para, the word para like parallel, two lines close together well, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit someone to come alongside to be with us it is God through his Holy Spirit who gives us counsel who instructs us even as we sleep guarding our hearts and minds from the evil one if you've ever been through a, a distressing time and you will know that sometimes praying to God for a good night's sleep works God hears our prayers he doesn't like to see his children suffering unnecessarily he wants us to call out to him for his help for his counsel for his comfort. But what about non-Christians? Well, verse 4. If you look at verse 4, verse 4 is all about the doom. The doom of the idolaters. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. Just thinking about that, those of you who've grown up watching 
episodes of Dad's Army will remember the uh, Scottish man every time they got into a sticky situation he'd say we're doomed and it's quite right without Christ we're doomed that's what this verse says the sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods David doesn't just denounce the worship of false gods but he goes further and encourages others to have no communion with them whatsoever with those who who practice the worship of false gods darkness and light cannot mix you can't have a little bit of God with a, with a capital G and then pick and choose bits of other religions and beliefs as well and as we've just seen God is our all sufficiency we don't need anything else I find it very interesting sometimes going into people's homes no one here I hasten to add and seeing the various things dotted about which tell you something about, about people's lives they sometimes reflect their, their spiritual belief even though the person themselves may not have thought of it in that way maybe you walk in and there's a there's a crucifix a, a cross on the wall and you look around and somewhere else you'll, you'll see on the side there a little statue of Buddha and there may be else, uh, somewhere else uh, sometimes you see these little figures like dragons and that sort of thing you know, little demo- demonic dragon up on your, your bookshelf there look a bit further and on the windowsill there, there might be a, the Jewish menorah with the a, with a candles in it then you look at the person's wrist and leave a bracelet on with all the lucky charms on it if you were to walk out in the garden perhaps trip over the black cat and the witch's broom and you might fall down the wishing well I don't know people think they've got all the bases covered if one thing doesn't work then some other thing might yet it all just gets in the way of God doesn't it and it saddens his heart if you truly know God then you'll soon realise that he doesn't need a helping hand God doesn't need our help David will have nothing to do with pagan sacrifices in his day nor will he even allow the names of the pagan deities to pass his lips his life is 100% focused on his God on Yahweh he doesn't want anything to spoil that relationship in the 11 verses of this psalm there is just that one verse which talks about sinners maybe because this psalm is all about the future glory awaiting the believer in heaven brought about by the death and resurrection of Christ I said at the beginning we would work backwards through this psalm and and we have so let's look at uh, verses 1 to 3 
these verses concern believers. Now I'm aware that in David's time there of course were no Christians as Jesus was yet to come into the world. But there were those who nonetheless put their their trust in God. And one day we will be with them in glory. Of course David was one of them. He put his trust in God. And as we've seen on a number of occasions before, his belief in God was real. It was a confidence in a being, in in someone greater than himself, in whom he could take refuge, and in whom his soul could find peace amidst the day-to-day distractions. He said to the Lord, to, to Yahweh, his God, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Consider that for a moment. I mean, David was a king. I guess he could have had virtually anything he wanted. But David knew God so well that he realised that despite his kingly wealth, when he looked at it and saw it as something which would one day wear out, when it was all stripped away he still had the best thing possible a relationship with a living God and nothing and no one could take that away from him which made it even more special his knowledge of God's work in his own life made him realise that the only thing would outlast all his earthly riches was his relationship with God you see you can gain all that this world has to offer but without God you'll still have a hole in your life that nothing can fill apart from God himself or you can know God and materially tomorrow you could lose everything but God will still be there God will still be in your life so knowing that God was his all sufficiency David felt at peace taking refuge in the arms of the Father he could come to his heavenly Father and ask with confidence he could could come to God and say Lord keep me safe O God, for in you I take refuge. You see it there also in verse 8, where he says, He is at my right hand, therefore I shall not be shaken. The right hand signifies someone nearby to defend us, someone close. Probably where we get the same, when we have something at hand. I wonder. It is the same truth for us this morning. Are we so close to God that if tomorrow we lost all our earthly possessions we would still be at peace knowing we still had something better. That we could come to him, we could come to God and take refuge in him. Can we claim to know God so well as to be able to come before him 
and lay our troubles at his feet and really take refuge in him. I wonder, how well do we know God? Do we know lots about him? Or do we really know him? Now how sad it would be if we got to the end of our studies of of biblical theology with with Wayne Grudem there on a Wednesday night which I think are are brilliant I know they may not be everybody's cup of tea because it is a bit deep some of the stuff that he's sharing but but he does it in a way that's that's quite light and you know he keeps smiling That's, that's important but how sad it would be if we got to the end of all that you know, we, we, we end up knowing lots more about God. But at the end of the day, we have to admit that we don't really know him personally. Let me ask you, do you know lots about God in your head? Or do you really know God? Do you really know him in your heart? Now, of course, there may be some of you here this morning who say, well, I know lots about God in, in my head, but also I know him in my heart. And that's, that's brilliant. That's fantastic. No problem. But if it's, if it's just got to be one of those things, then make sure it's the latter. Make sure you know God in your heart. Make sure you know him personally in your heart. In David's time, there were those who really knew God. Those who were his. And many did great and marvellous things in service for him. David says of them, They are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. David delighted in seeing other believers serving the Lord. And we should do the same, shouldn't we? We should delight in seeing our brothers and sisters in Christ serving the Lord. We should delight not just in seeing others serve God, but we should delight in serving with them, in serving alongside them, and in doing good to them. So next time you see somebody serving the Lord, may it warm your heart may you thank God for them may it spur you on to work together with them and may you do something good for them as well within the church we should work together for the good of our brothers and sisters side by side hand in hand it's not an impossible dream but it's sometimes hard work it takes persistence these verses very much speak to us this morning to believers about coming ever closer ever deeper into a relationship with God and with each other and coupled with our belief in Jesus and his work of saving grace on the cross for us my prayer is this morning that each one of us here can say with David surely 
I have a delightful inheritance.